This episode is brought to you by Thorn, the industry leader in nutritional solutions. Now, Thorn is actually trusted by eight U.S. national teams and championship teams in the NFL, NBA, and Major League, as well as recently becoming the official sports performance nutrition partner of the UFC. So when it comes to supplements... The tactical athlete space and the athletic space need two things. We need efficacy, meaning the products do what they say they're going to do on the label. And then we need to trust the fact that we are not going to fail either athletic drug tests or work-related drug tests. Now, Thorne has actually been around since the 1980s, where they were used by physicians and hospitals for nutritional supplements for the patients. They were so successful that athletic teams and even special operations teams reached out to them and they started supplying them as well. Very recently, they actually opened their doors to the general public. Now, what sets Thorne apart is they manufacture their own products in a state-of-the-art NSF-certified facility in South Carolina. They use only the purest possible ingredients formulated with no stearates or arbitrary fillers in the cleanest manufacturing process. Most of you listening come from a profession where it can take its toll physically and mentally, and many of us are not able to bolster our nutrition purely with the food that we eat. And that's where supplementation comes in. So if you're ready to maximize your health and performance, visit thorn.com, T-H-O-R-N-E.com. Take a short product quiz to be paired up with the perfect health and fitness supplements. And for you, the audience, if you use the code BTS10, behind the shield 10, BTS10, you will get 10% off your first order. And if you want to learn even more about Thorn, go to episode 323 of Behind the Shield podcast and you will hear my interview with Wes Barnett and Joel Totoro from Thorn. This episode is sponsored by 511, a company I've used personally for well over a decade and continue to use to this day. And they are offering you, the audience of the Behind the Shield podcast, a discount. Before I get to that, I want to highlight a couple of products. So footwear has been a big issue, and we all know that these heavy-duty work boots cause a lot of issues with joint health and fatigue. Listening to the responders in the field, the military in the field, 511 have reverse engineered and created some incredible footwear that is much more lightweight, just as durable, and minimizes both fatigue and damage to the joints. One of those is the Norris sneaker. I have a pair of those myself. They are incredible. And the other one is the AT trainer that has the Atlas system, which spreads the weight of the load over the entire foot, thus reducing fatigue and long-term damage. Aside from footwear, they have the backpacks. I have the AMP pack myself. Their civilian clothes, the jeans, the shorts, I absolutely live in these days. The flashlights are some of the brightest I've seen, and they last an incredibly long time on one charge. The list goes on and on. Now, because 511 cares about you, the tactical population, they are offering you a discount of 15% on every purchase that you make. So go to 511 Tactical, use the code SHIELD, S-H-I-E-L-D, and save 15% every time you shop. And if you want to learn even more about the company, listen to episode 338 with co-founder and CEO, Francisco Morales. This episode is brought to you by GovX. And as you know, I only have companies on here that I truly use and believe in myself. And GovX is a complete no-brainer. If you are a member of fire, police, EMS, corrections, military, and even hospital setting doctors and nurses, you qualify for the free membership to GovX, which marries us with discounts from so many companies that you probably already use. 
And on top of that, it's not just for active duty, but also retirees, veterans, and volunteers. So for our professions, having to purchase so much of our equipment, every single dollar counts. And understanding that, GovX has reached out to you, the Behind the Shield podcast audience, to offer you an additional saving. On your first purchase of $50 or more, if you use the code SHIELD, S-H-I-E-L-D, they will give you an additional $15 off your first purchase. And another layer of GovX is GovX gives back. Every month they're going to sell a different patch and the proceeds from that patch goes to a charity that supports either first responders or military. So as I mentioned before, go to GovX.com, G-O-V-X.com, register for your free membership and save every single time you purchase. Welcome to episode 386 of Behind the Shield podcast. As always, my name is James Gearing, and this week it is my absolute pleasure to welcome on the show UFC legend Frankie Edgar. So we discuss a host of topics in this interview from his journey through wrestling into MMA, how he now coaches his children in wrestling, forging longevity, overcoming injury, mental toughness, and so many other areas. Before we get to that conversation, as I say every single week, please just take a moment, go to whichever app you listen to this on, subscribe to the show, leave feedback, and leave a rating. Each five-star rating truly elevates this podcast, making it easier for others to find. And this podcast is a library, a free library for you, the audience, whether individually, whether organizationally. So all I ask in return, is that you just help share these incredible men and women's stories so I can get them to everyone else that needs to hear them. So with that being said, I introduce to you Frankie Edgar. Enjoy. So Frankie, I want to start by saying thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast today. No, thanks for having me. I'm pumped to be here. So we were connected through a mutual friend, Frank Viscuso, who is very well respected in the fire service. So just to kind of break the ice a little bit, how did you guys meet? You know, we met through our kids. Uh, we have kids that are about the same age. Um, his kids went to my wrestling club. Our kids played baseball together. And, uh, you know, our wives became friendly through, uh, through pretty much our, our children. Beautiful. And have you been exposed to the fire service much yourself? Well, you know, um, my, my, one of my very best friends, Mark, Mark Lee, is a firefighter for Jersey City. His father, who has since passed, um, you know, was a captain for, for Jersey City. And they're, they're like, you know, family friends of mine. So highly respect, uh, uh, you know, highly res- have high respect for firemen. And uh, everyone always asked me, you know, if I was going to – what would you do if you didn't fight? And I would say probably be a fireman. So, you know, uh, definitely, uh, definitely look up to those guys. Love it. Well, you would have been a great fireman, I'll tell you now. And we're going to explore the kind of parallels in between the two professions. But um, I'd love to start at the very beginning. So where were you born? And then tell me about your family dynamic, what your parents did and how many siblings. Yeah, I was born in, in New Jersey, uh, North Jersey. Uh, you know, my parents uh, my parents got divorced when I was about seven, eight years old. Uh, my mother got remarried uh, to my stepfather and then had my had my sister, uh, I believe when I was 10, we're about 10 years apart. So I have one sister, I have a few step siblings on, on all sides of, uh, you know, my, my father got remarried, I have a few step siblings on that side and a few step siblings with my, with my stepfather as well. Beautiful. And what did your stepdad do? He's a, uh, he's a plumber. He's a, he's a contractor. Brilliant. Now, with a lot of the fighters that are very successful, you seem to see a commonality between 
um, either either a, a rough upbringing as far as traumatic or just a tough upbringing as far as where they were raised. When you look back now, do you see any kind of parts of your childhood that forged that toughness in you today? Uh, you know, I, I guess you could say, you know, when you come from a, a split family, there's, there's never anything uh, too traditional, I guess, you know, and you, you might see some, you know, and my parents might have had a rocky, rocky relationship early on and, and, and that's why they ended up getting divorced. So, you know, kind of growing up and that could possibly make you a little rough around the edges and, you know, having to move halfway through, uh, you know, middle school or, you know, elementary school, stuff like that. Right. Well, then what about um, sports? When you were when you were young, what were the sports that you were playing? I did everything when I was young. Uh, I did baseball, soccer. Um, I wrestled. Obviously, that was just, that's the one I pretty much stuck with. Um, you know, play a little basketball. I did a little bit of everything when I was a kid. Right. So then, I know you end up being pretty successful in wrestling. When when you first entered, was it something that you found a natural? You had a natural gift, or was it more the kind of grit element showing its face? Yeah, I mean, I definitely wasn't successful right away. Um, you know, my stepfather wrestled. I had an older cousin that wrestled, so I was very familiar with the sport. I was kind of definitely a ruffian type of kid. Um, you know, so I was always that I was always very competitive. But uh, you know, my first year, I didn't win very very matches. So it took some you know grit and determination and hard work to 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 you know be successful. Which you know, I, I did find quick success, but that first year, well, it didn't come so easy. Right. Now, um, what about when you were younger school age? What were your career aspirations then? What were you dreaming of becoming? Uh, you know, when I was a kid, I, I really didn't know what I wanted to be, man. Um, whatever whatever I, I was in at the time, I wanted to be the best at. I was the type of kid that watched a movie and be like, oh, man, I want to be a BMX bike rider. Or I want to be, <laughs> you know, be, be, you know, Rocky's a big part of part of my youth, I guess you could say. And I'm, I'm sure a reason, maybe a little bit of why I fight, you know, I was always into Rocky moves and stuff like that. So I guess you could say I, I definitely wanted to be uh, uh, someone that, that I guess, uh, you know, people, people wanted to watch in, in the sense. Now, uh, I was quite small when I was little. I ended up having a, a growth spurt finally when I was 18, which is a little bit too late. <laughs> but uh, And my son is the same. He's, he's tall-ish, I guess, but very, very thin. Um, so I can kind of relate to being one of the smaller kids in, in school. Did that, did that factor in at all? Or did, did your your uh, grit and your wrestling background you know, end up being like a prevention? Or, or did you find yourself fighting a lot? I mean, I probably, I, I definitely got grew up getting in fights. Uh, you know, it's kind of the nature of Jersey a little bit too. But um, you know, it probably was because I was small, but small, but never wanted to back down. You know, I I, uh, I always welcome welcome the challenge. I guess you could say. <laughs> All right. Well, then walk me through uh, initially your success into wrestling. Then. Yeah. Well, I started wrestling in seventh grade, which uh, in today's terms, uh, even back then, was is kind of late. You know, I mean, my son wrestled, started wrestling four or five years old. So, uh, you know, I didn't start till I was about thirteen, and I was a little behind the times. But I, you know, like I said, I was a scrappy, athletic kid, and uh, first year I, I struggled, but uh, you know, I I, um, I found some, I found a, a gym, a wrestling school, like a you know extracurricular, not just school. Uh, you know, who, who's, uh, this guy, Steve Rivera, who's actually my coach still to this day, coaches my kids as well. And, um, and that's when I started making big strides by my next, by eighth grade freshman year, I made the varsity team and had a pretty successful, uh, you know, career in, in high school, a couple times state place winner. Um, you know, I was able to, to, to make it to college and I actually got a full, full scholarship to, to go to college and wrestle in, in Clarion university, which is in uh, Pennsylvania. Now, what was it that Steve did differently? Because, I mean, not only was there a shift in success, but you stayed with him since. So what did he bring to the table that other coaches didn't? 
Um, well, I, I don't know if it was the fact that he brought something to the table that other coaches. I mean, he definitely did, but I, I mean, he was just pretty much my first coach, other than my my high school, my school coach, which you know, school co- at that level in middle school, the school coaches, you know, not the the most highly uh, decorated person. There, you know, they're they're a teacher and and they probably wrestled in the past. But Steve was a, you know, um, when when I found him, he was you know a couple times. He was a national champ for you know uh, Trenton State University and. Uh, you know, a couple times state champ in high school. Really, with him, is he was just so passionate about wrestling, and uh, you know, he's seen that I was passionate about. It. We hit it off. You know, uh, I think he was probably twenty six at the time. I was thirteen, and um, yeah, you know, guys, been in my. He's in my wedding. He's he's still one of my best friends to this day. Like I said, uh, we're kind of partners in, in a wrestling gym now, and he coaches my kids. So uh, yeah, I think with Steve, he's just paid so much attention to detail and his passion for the sport. Really. Uh, is really what attracted me to him. Now, uh, Frank, no, uh, excuse me, Frank told me about Steve as the one that introduced you to a boxing coach. Is that right? Yes, uh, Steve uh, introduced me to Mark Henry, who's who's pretty much my head my head MMA trainer. I guess you call him a boxing coach, but he's my head head trainer. And um, he introduced me to him through. Uh, well, they're related through marriage. Uh, one of Steve's cousins is married. You know, he married one of Steve's cousins, I guess, or something like that. And. Um, yeah, he uh, Mark Mark didn't coach anybody at the time either. He, you know, his kid was going to the wrestling club, and I was helping coach his kid. And Steve asked him to work with me. And at that point, Mark never worked with anybody, never held pads for anybody. I was pretty much the first guy I worked with. And uh, and now Mark's, you know, one of the most sought after MMA coaches in the world. That's amazing. So when when I as I watched you right from the beginning when you first came onto the UFC, and you know I'm aware fully of your wrestling ability, but but it's your kind of resilience and you know finishing a lot with striking. So when when did you first uh, become involved with the striking side? I mean, right. I really didn't strike at all as a kid or wrestling. You know, in the years I was wrestling, it was pretty much when I when I decided to go MMA. I, I started. I just found. I really just found a local place by my by my uh, by my house and started training there. Luckily, Mark, like I said, uh, was uh, his son was going to the wrestling club I was coaching at, um, you know. And Steve introduced me to him, and I got to work with him pretty much, pretty much in the beginning, which was definitely a, a godsend, you know, being able to have someone that, that has such great knowledge, uh, you know, right away. So, with you being successful, and you got second in the state, is that right? Wrestling? Yeah. Yes, my junior year I took second. Yeah. Okay. So, what made you decide to shift away from wrestling and and find MMA? Well, I, you know, I wrestled five years in college. I was uh, yeah, I had a successful uh, a career. You know, I won over a hundred matches, uh, four time national qualifier, but uh, I never really, uh, I, I guess, achieved my goals. And I wanted to be an all American national champ. You know, um, and you know, I came close, but didn't quite get there. And uh, when I graduated. College, I you know I knew I was going to go to work for my father for the plumbing company, um, but uh, I still had that you know it kind of rest. I guess wrestling left a bad taste in my mouth, and I still wanted to compete. And ult- the Ultimate Fighter show was just airing the first one um, on Spike. That was my 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 senior year, pretty much spring semester of uh, of, of school, and uh, it caught my eye. So I knew as soon as I graduated, I was going to find a place to train and and you know see what happens. I didn't even know if it was going to be a professional career or anything like that. I was. I was just like, I want to get in the cage and fight and, you know, just uh, continue to compete a little bit. So that's uh, that kind of just the show being Aaron, that definitely uh, caught my attention. Well, I know you had a few fights before the UFC, but there's an interesting story about your first UFC fight. So tell me about that. My first UFC fight, uh, I fought uh, Tyson Griffin. Um, I got, uh, 
I was actually uh, I tried out for the Ultimate Fighter show. I was five and zero as a pro, pretty much fighting local circuit in Jersey. And um, I went down. Me and a couple teammates went down to Florida to try out for the Ultimate Fighter show. They were uh, they were film they were um, getting guys for the Ultimate Fighter Five. The first year they had the 155 pound division on on the show. And uh, I went down there. Did pretty well. I thought I was gonna. I thought for sure I was gonna you know try to be a positive guy. I thought for sure I was gonna get picked. And unfortunately, I didn't get picked. Uh, so I went back home, went back to work. And uh, about a month later, I got a call to uh, fight Tyson Griffin on, you know, short notice, about four-week notice. Um, and, yeah, I went there. We, we, had a, we had a hell of a fight. I, I believe it was fight of the night that night. Uh, I got caught in a pretty pretty deep knee bar knee bar at the end of it. Um, that's what a lot of people remember. And I uh, toughed it out and, and got, got my first UFC victory. So with you being smaller and that being the 155 division where you could have people that before the weight cut were, you know, 180, um, was that a, a heavy weight for you? And would you have preferred to have fought even lighter than that? Uh, you know, right then, I really didn't have any op- op- uh, options. You know, 55 was it. So if I wanted to fight, I had to fight 55. And at that point, I, I, you know, I really didn't even think of it. I just knew I wanted to compete. Um, actually, when I very first started fighting, the UFC didn't even have a 55 pound division. I think 70 was their lightest. I mean, they 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 kind of they did have it. They got rid of it, and when that's when I started fighting, they didn't have it uh, at, at that current time. And then I believe you know a couple fights in, they brought it back. Uh, I think Sean Shirk or BJ or something like that. And um, yeah, I, I just uh, said, hey, if I want to fight, I, I got to fight 55. All right, well, one thing that's noticeable when you when you look at your record is a couple of things. Obviously, the huge amount of wins, and then when you look at the names, I mean absolute rock stars in all the divisions so you know it's it's amazing the names that you've beaten um but also the fight of the night so you know for me there's two things i think about when i think of you and i'm not trying to you know blow smoke up your ass it's just it is what it is is one humility like you just seem to be a humble epitome of, of a sportsman just the same way as someone like georges and pierre but secondly just the grit like you know many of these fights most fires would have already lost and and you come back sometimes from from a pretty you know horrific choke or or strike and end up winning the fight so when you look back again how do you attribute that extra bit of heart that you know probably 95% of the other contenders didn't have the same level of yeah that's uh, it, it's tough to really know where where all that comes from um i just have a lot of pride and uh you know, I like I, I like I like to win, you know, and, and I'll, I'll pretty much do anything besides cheating to, to, to make sure it happens, you know, and I'll put myself through through pain, through through, you know, agony if I, if I have to get there. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't always work out that way, but I'm willing to always put it on the line. Um, yeah, I, I, I just I, I love to compete. I, I hate to lose. You know, I don't think anybody really likes to lose, but I feel like I have a disdain to, to it. And I and I've lost plenty, you know. So it's not like uh, I'm I'm too good to lose, but uh, yeah, I, I just have that pride, and you know, especially early on, I just had that chip on my shoulder. I wanted to show everybody, you know, I'm the small guy, or I shouldn't be fighting this weight class. It was, it was nice to prove everybody wrong, and and then now when you have kids, you kind of want to show them an example as well. Absolutely. Well, in our profession, you know, fire, uh, law enforcement, all the associated professions. You know, that, that grit is needed. You know, we, we're trying to train that because lives are at stake. And, you know, God forbid that we don't facilitate a rescue or protect someone because we hadn't taken our training seriously. How were you able to create those kind of stressful environments in the gym that would try and match what you might be faced with in the octagon? You know, I, I've always put myself around the right people um, as far as training partners and coaches go. And uh, I felt like I've done a good job of that in my, in my career. Um 
you know, Ric- joining Ricardo Almeida, Mark Henry. Uh, you know, I've been able to train with the Rutgers wrestling team uh, throughout pretty much my whole career. Uh, you know, being becoming wrestling is pretty much taught me how to train, taught me how to put in the work in and do everything the right way. And uh, you know, and and also on top of wrestling and having to having to worry about your academics, kind of lets you deal with you know being a professional fighter because you, know, you only have to worry about fighting. If, if all I was to do is worry about the gym, that's that's pretty easy. But then you you got to factor in you know the outside businesses and, and and family as well. Absolutely. What about the the mental side? Is there any kind of uh, mental coaching that you found successful, whether it's visualization or something like that? that you added to your repertoire to try and improve that that mental uh, element see I, i'm like i'm a simpleton a little bit with the whole mental thing you know i i know some people like to talk to mental coaches this and that and i don't know i i'm probably being a little archaic saying what i'm gonna say but i, I feel like as soon as you talk to someone about a mental coach you're, you're mentally you're not mentally where you need to be you know um so i, I have a good way of just keeeping my mental out of it or, or being just mentally strong i don't I, I don't know how i do that as well uh you know, even, you know, I guess through time and through experience, you know, uh, I used to get very nervous about fights and now it's like, I almost have to pinch myself to be like, Hey, no, you're fighting today. Let's, let's, let's get going here. <laughs> well, with the, the evolution of strength and conditioning, evolution of training, even, even the, you know, the contact sparring, um, I've seen a big shift. Uh, I've been a you know, very, very, um, part-time vocational martial artist most of my life never a, a fighter certainly not a professional fighter um, but i've seen the evolution or the devolution of some of the philosophies that we believed in 20 years ago so with the strength and conditioning side what are some of the the things that have changed versus how you were first training yeah well I, you know what when i first got in uh, you know strength strength condition like for me I, i'm always been a conditioned athlete you know from high school to college to mma i was that was that was my mo i was always in great condition always worked very hard so i kind of knew when i got into mma i knew how to make sure i was in shape to fight but uh with strength and condition early on it was just you know the more the, the more the harder the better you know and that's i don't know if that's necessarily the right way because a lot of times i want to uh it, it, it used to be like, you know, you want to get beat up in the gym and, and walk out of there, you know, tired and this and that. And, you know, I, I, I learned as you get older, it's it's the skill work, I think, is a little more important than the strength and conditioning part. You know, I think now I have a strength and conditioning coach where uh, when I leave there, I feel better. I feel better for my next session, for my more important session. Yeah. Well, what about the, the sparring side? I, I trained with uh, Shootbox years and years ago when they were in LA, and it was the closest thing I've ever had to Fight Club. You know, I fought all shapes and sizes, leave there with broken noses and perforated eardrums, and not, like you said, feeling way fucking worse than I did when I walked in the gym. Um, and now I hear a lot of the less is more philosophy where they're lightening up on the sparring so that they're not beating up their fighters before they actually compete. Have you seen a similar philosophy in, in your gym? I mean, yes and no. Uh, you know, I, I think it goes case by case. Um, you know, early on I did, I sparred three days a week, you know, a lot. And now I, I believe I, during camps, I only, uh, and, and I spar like in between camps. Now, as I get older, I, I, I spar twice a week and in between camps, I, I spar mu- much more minimal. And, uh, but I do think there are some guys that just don't deal with the anxiety of fights well. And the more you could put them in that situation in sparring, will help them get ready for that fight you know uh but again you know you know if you're kind of burning the candle at both ends and beating guys up too much you got to pull back from that as well yeah well what about um the aging factor because i mean you're are you 40 now or 39 still 
I'm 39. 39, okay. Just turned 39, okay. yeah. I won't, yeah. I won't use the F word yet then. <laughs> not yet, not yet. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, so you've got a hell of a career. I mean, incredible longevity. Um, what element of uh, has factored in as far as injuries and then what have been some of the powerful tools you've used to rehabilitate injuries that you've had? Yeah, but I've definitely have a lot of, I mean, you know, I've had some, you know, trauma injuries where, you know, I tore my MCL or something like that. But most of my injuries are overuse injuries, you know, bad neck, bad back, bad shoulder, bad hips, you know, some arthritis and whatnot. And, and the best recovery is just kind of staying, is, is never really stopping too long. You know, I don't, I don't really take too much time off. Um, and, uh, you know, I stretch, I have, a, I have a physical therapist that stretches me out, you know, once or twice a week, more, you know, more, more, uh, more uh, um, consistent when I'm in camp, obviously. Um, and then I also have an ART guy, active release therapy. I do that, you know, once or twice, once or twice a week during camp as well. And uh, and I actually something I, I started recently is I got a sauna in my house, and I, I probably hit the sauna every day, so that definitely helps out as well. Beautiful. Yeah, I've heard that the contrast therapy works well. The ones that get the the sauna and the ice bath, and they go back yeah. and forth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I do that in my backyard, and uh, it definitely uh, definitely keeps the body loose and, and ready for the next go. Right. Well, then, what about aging specifically? What have you noticed? Um, not that it's detrimental, because you're still, you know, on top of the pile when it comes to the bantamweight division now. But what have you noticed as some of the challenges of the 39 year old Frankie versus the 20 year old? No, I mean, it, it's really. I mean, definitely. Like, you know, I, I feel like this. Like, I feel like. When you're younger, you you know any you work out hard. I don't care how old you are. You work out really hard. You're gonna be hurting the next day. And now now I hurt maybe three days after instead of just one. <laughs> so that's the difference, I guess you'd say. Gotcha. And then what about the mindset? I mean, there are a lot of fighters that, especially you know, if they do achieve a belt like you did, that then you know will hang on to it, maybe defend it a couple of times, and then be like, all right, I'm done. I mean, Khabib's a perfect example. I know there was a family element to that too. Um, what is it that keeps you going? And keeps you wanting to fight and keep chasing that. You know, I I, I got nothing else to do, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I I just really do enjoy enjoy working out. I really do. I enjoy enjoy competing. Um, as long as my body holds up, I'll like I always say I'll do this as, as long as I'm, my body holds up and I'm competitive. And uh, you know, I I, I just think uh, you know the, the 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 more you do it too, the more callous you get, not only your body but your mind. And uh, I feel like. You know, I I don't ever get up saying like oh, I don't want to go to the gym today. I, I it's just what I do. It's almost habit forming. You know, I get up, drink coffee, and and then go to the gym. That's just what I do. Love it. Well, I know you had um you know a couple of uh, well known battles with Gray Maynard and and BJ Penn. Um, I'm very curious. You know, having again a very a very weekend warrior exposure to fighting. What your mindset is overcoming a loss to the point where you beat them yes you know people could say oh well, you just get angry and you get pissed off and you want to you know you want to beat them the next time but there's also an element of fear when someone has beaten you especially if you've been knocked out for example what's your mindset um coming off a loss to train for that same person again uh you know i i think uh all my rematches my mindset is all right let, let's 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 tighten this up let's tighten the the the, the techniques up that maybe got us in trouble or, or 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 did us did a service you know in there like uh you know when i fought uh, uh benson henderson twice um you know i lost that first one and i had to go in there and, and and address some of the things that he did well in that first fight to make sure it didn't happen the second fight and you know i still didn't win but uh i mean 
I thought I did. A lot of people thought I did, but you know, the judges, the most important people, didn't think so. <laughs> well, what do, what's your opinion of of judging overall in the UFC? Not not blaming any particular judge or any particular fight, but you know, what are some of the the pros and cons of the way we do it now? Uh, you know, I, I, it's just tough, man. I this whole ten point must system and. I, I think it's tough. It, I think a lot of it is, comes from like more of the boxing uh, world and and in uh, MMA, it kind of doesn't always translate as well. You know, I really don't know the fix. Uh, maybe more judges. I don't know why I th- only have to have three. I also think too, it, as we go on, you know, our sport is still fairly young, you know, compared to to boxing and whatnot. And uh, I think as we go on, former fighters or guys that at least practice the sport will start transitioning to be judges. And uh, and referees and whatnot, and I think that'll help a lot. Yeah. Now, what about the um, the discussion on, for example, gloves? I've heard Joe Rogan talking about this a lot. Um, you know, where where you take away some of the rules, like you know, the, the the soccer kick is one that they talk about. You know, obviously the the uh, knee to a downed opponent to the head of a downed opponent. You know, what are some of the your your philosophies on the rules? Like, are they are they where they should be? Are there things that you think could be more progressive? I mean, I think that for for for, for an audience and for TV and for our sport, I think they're like. If you're asking me, I'm a purist. I think you should be allowed to do almost anything. You know, I mean, I'm not gonna bite. I think bite bite and groin shots, eye pokes. I think those are, those are all we we can leave those out. But as far as soccer kicks, knee, you know, up kicks, you know, grounded opponents. I mean, that's real life. You know, you get in a fight out in the street, you know, people are going to do that stuff. So to me, I think it should be allowed. And I don't think it's as you know, if I could. Hey, kick you in the head, standing up with my shin. It's not gonna be much difference than uh, soccer kicking you in the face, you know, on the ground. No, absolutely. Well, um, one thing I didn't ask you about, I meant to as well. So you had a wrestling background. What was your instruction to, to jujitsu like? Uh, I I felt like it was it's pretty. That that was uh, an easy uh, transition for me. I don't say you know there's there's some things that you know you do at wrestling that'll get you in a lot of trouble in jitsu, but as soon as you learn the the do's and don'ts grappling grappling to me and i feel as as a fighting sport wrestling and jiu-jitsu is the same the same thing you got to use them interchangeably you know in, in a fight so what are your um your opinions then of wrestling as a sport for kids my little boy started jiu-jitsu when he was four and he's actually stopped now for about a year and he's about to start again in, in the new year um but i mean as far as combat arts obviously wrestling is the one that that most kids are exposed to in schools as a dad now, is that what's your opinion of of people putting themselves putting their kids either in jiu-jitsu and or wrestling as a parent? I think both of those are are are, are just underutilized uh, to, in today's society. I think if if our kids wrestled in jiu-jitsu either or, um, it's going to be a lot lot better society. You know, uh, you learn how to. It, you just learn how to. I mean, it, it's real wrestling and and jujitsu is not like I'm not not karate. I think any martial art is actually very good for kids, but specifically wrestling and, and jujitsu is you can almost do it 100 percent at each other and not really hurt each other, you know, and, and keep it a sport and keep it playful. Whereas karate, you can't you can't punch and kick each other in the face as hard as you can because it's just not real, you know. And um, and wrestling, I, I mean, I, I definitely you know. Wrestling teaches hardship. So does jujitsu. You know, you're cutting weight. You have to deal with losses. You know, and I always say, my my kids now, like they grow up pretty good. You know, we give them a pretty good life, me and my wife, and they don't really have many things to worry about. And I think wrestling shows them that that discipline, that sacrifice, and 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 just that disappointment. You know, they don't get much disappointment. You know, we we try to coddle our kids, and we don't want to have our kids have disappointment. But 
they kind of need it in wrestling or jiu-jitsu and sports in general can give that to kids. Yeah, well, what was that like as a dad then? So, you know, you obviously are a very um, aggressive with your own training, aggressive with your own self-talk, but now it's different because you're raising another human being and you don't want to be that kind of uh, dickhead parent that's screaming at their kid at a soccer game that we've all seen. So how you know, how did your philosophy change when it was with your own boys? Yeah, I mean, you know, but I have one son that's really into wrestling, and one that's semi into it, and and uh, I mean, you know, I just try to treat them, treat them like my like kids I would coach, just in my club, you know. Um, I mean, obviously, you give them a little more, a little more, you're more, t- you're you have more time around them, you know, like on the way to practice, on the way back practice, or to tournaments where you could get in their ear, and you know, I'll be honest, I'm trying to brainwash my kids in in a sense, you know, in a good way, let them know like. Uh, you know, we, we go just try to just the, the essentials you want. You want you would want to teach any athlete. You know, um, you work hard in practice. You work harder than everyone in the room. You try to always seek out the best workout partner. You know, stuff like that. Right. And then speaking of, of raising kids, uh, Frank told me about Sebastian Rivera. So tell me about him and and you know what it's like now to mentor someone past the level that you were able to achieve as a, as an athlete or as a, as a wrestling athlete specifically. Yeah, no, it, 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 having Sebastian um, is, is you know, having him back in town actually is is awesome. Um, he actually worked out on this whole summer, and uh, it was a humbling experience as well. But uh, you know, it was funny. I, I was like ten years ago, I used to torture this kid because he used to pick on his sister, and now uh, now here we are. He's torturing me a little bit. So uh, it, it, it's great to have him in the room and just to see the success that he has, and and honestly, just that he, he's a, like my kids look up to him. So it's kind of like a it's definitely a, a big full circle here, you know, uh, in our community uh, through Steve, my wrestling coach. And, you know, um, you know, he got to watch me compete and now my kids get to watch him compete. It's kind of like all uh, comes full circle here. Absolutely. Well, and a thing that's obviously very evident is that you still have the same team you know, to this day. So you see a lot of fighters bouncing around. I'm, I'm in Florida. So South Florida is a big place where people seem to come. Um, but you stuck with that same team. And as you mentioned, some of them weren't even coaches when they first started. So again, talk to me about that loyalty and, you know, and why you, you kept those people close to you. Yeah. You know, I, I'm definitely, uh, I, I am a loyal, I'm a loyal person. Maybe sometimes at fault to a fault, but, uh, that's just how I, I, I've always been. And I mean, luckily, like I said, I've always had the right people around me. And, you know, a lot of people that you, you, you see them, Jim Hop and, you know, want to point figures when they lose. And, and sometimes th- there is, I'm not saying that there is not a case where, you know, someone's in the wrong place and need to need to move to find a better situation for them. But for myself, I felt like uh, these guys are the best. They had my, my, my intentions uh, at, at mind. And, uh, and we built a, you know, really, really cool thing here. Absolutely. Well, what about um, post fight? I'm not saying you know, are you going to retire anytime soon because I mean, obviously, you're still killing it out there. So, when when the time comes for you to hand in your gloves, is it going to be a coaching journey you're on, or is there somewhere completely different that you're thinking about? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'll always be involved in 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 you know combat sports. You know, wrestling. Obviously, my kids are going to wrestle. I, I have a piece of a club. Um, I'll always be involved in, in, in jiu-jitsu. I mean, I'm going to train my whole life. I'll never stop training jiu-jitsu, you know, even kickboxing and stuff like that. So I'll always be involved, whether I'm coaching, managing, you know, some capacity. 
Right. Now, one thing I didn't ask you about, speaking of coaching, so you didn't make the show as a contestant, but you ended up making the show as a coach versus uh, BJ Penn. So what was that actual TV experience like? Because I know early on, it was very evident to the to the viewer that, you know, they were all locked in there. There was no television or anything. There was lots of alcohol. It was kind of shaking the cage a little bit. But from the coach's perspective, what was that TV experience, you know, all those series later for you? Yeah, it, it was it was it was a great experience, honestly, uh, to, to go and, uh, you know, help some kids, you know, realize their dreams. And and the one the one, one of the guys that won it is, is on my team now. He's still he, he moved to Jersey and has been training with us since then. Uh, Corey Anderson. So, you know, to, to have a little part in their career was was very cool to get in front of the camera. You know, it's not always the, 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 the most fun thing, but uh, it, it was a good experience. BJ was great, you know, to do the show with. And, uh, you know, I brought my whole team out there and the guys that I work with and, uh, you know, got to share share their knowledge with these guys. So, uh, you know, it was, it was fun. I'm, I'm glad I did it. I don't know if I'd do it again, but uh, I'm glad I did it. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, another kind of tangent for you. You know, we're seeing some of the issues at the moment with um, – yeah, law enforcement somewhere that the men and women are doing exactly what they should be doing and they're being demonized but there are some cases as well where it's evident that there was a lack of of you know hands-on grappling experience or training in, in that particular individual or department um that's a blanket statement obviously there are some departments doing it very well out there that, that understand the need for that kind of training what has been your perspective on that and and what would be some of the advice you think for departments that aren't training when it comes to including grappling arts in their curriculum? Yeah, you know, um, well, well for, uh, you know, I think the whole defund the police platform people are pushing is, is ridiculous. You know, obviously that's not, not, not the way to go. I think if anything, they need to need more training, need more education. And then that's going to not take the funding, but maybe more funding in, in turn. But um, yeah, I do think uh, anytime you can get your officers, training in uh, martial arts but especially especially you know grappling art is going to only benefit the situation um i know my town tom's over here in jersey uh my uh one of my buddies who who uh i grew up wrestling with he's he's one of the trainers i guess he you know he teaches the cops so i've come in and and does some classes with these guys uh you know numerous times throughout the years and uh you know it's just you want to have that that confidence to go into a situation like all right i can de-escalate this without having to you know, really hurt someone. I can control someone, you know, through, through grappling and people, once they realize that it, it becomes a very useful tool. Yeah. Well, I asked a few previous guests too. Do you find as a, you know, smaller man, but obviously, you know, one of the toughest people in, in the country, do you find that once you have that set of skills and you appear to be physically fit, I'm not talking about a bodybuilder, but you just have that, you know, athlete, um, look to you that that is also a tool to de-escalate to dissuade people for from even you know creating issues in the first place yeah absolutely uh it's a deterrent a built-in deterrent you if you look the part people ain't gonna really mess with you and and not for nothing you just walk, you're gonna walk around with a sense of confidence where you're not gonna feel the need to flex your muscles so much or to prove a point you know you know you can take care of yourself you know if something did you know you're, you're not walking around with that anxiety because you know you can handle yourself Absolutely. Well, I want to transition to some closing questions that I ask everyone, um, you know, each week. Uh, first question, is there a book that you love to recommend? It can be related to what we've discussed today or something completely different. Um, a book, uh, you, you know, I've, I've, I've watched, I've read, re let's look at some recent books I've read. Um, the the uh, David Goggins can't hurt me that, that that biography by David Goggins is what I read somewhat recently and uh, I mean I just 
he's one of the most mentally tough dudes I ever, I ever met my, or ever read about. So, uh, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a book that I recommend highly. Beautiful. Yeah, great book. And what about a, a movie and or documentary? A movie? Hmm. I mean, if we're like entertainment movie or like you're looking for like uh, <laughs> either or either or. Uh, I mean, listen, Rocky movies are my favorite. Those are probably if I had to pick one, one movie, Rocky one is probably the best, my favorite movie. Yeah. So we'll go with that. All right. Yeah. That's one of the most, uh, you know, recommended ones. But it's funny because Frank said that of all the people, you know, he's heard the closest replicate that movie, people talk about you. So it's an interesting kind of circle round. For sure. For sure. And uh, a documentary, um, say that the Prince of Pennsylvania, it's about uh, the DuPonts and, uh, and Dave Schultz. And uh, Dave Schultz was killed by the guy DuPont. He was a uh, Dave Schultz, probably one of the, one of the best U.S. wrestlers ever. And, you know, kind of tragically killed in, in an accident. But it's a pretty uh, interesting story. I saw that. The, 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 that was a, a millionaire that was involved with the wrestling team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, great film. I mean, tragic, but, but a very well yeah. presented film. All right. Well, next question. Is there a person uh, you would recommend to come on this podcast as a guest to speak to the first responders, military and associated professions of the world? For sure. I think uh, my, my professor, Ricardo Almeida, would be great. Um, you know, he's uh, he, he's a multiple time national champion, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, uh, multiple time UFC and pride fighter. He's uh, he's given me my black belt. He's, I believe, a four three black belt himself. But uh, yeah, he'd be great to talk to. Fantastic! I would love to if you're able to connect us. For sure. Thank you so much. All right. Well, then the last question before we make sure everyone knows where to find you, um, and also want to find out about your next fight too. But what do you do to decompress? Uh, you know what, decompress. Honestly, I, I come home, get in the couch, and chill with my kids. You know, it's uh, I get pulled a lot of different directions. So decompressing would be with my kids, and I know kids aren't the most decompressing people to be around <laughs> but uh you know that that's i guess you know you to be around your, your kids is is uh is always um it's a good feeling yeah it's a heads or tails whether they're going to decompress you or piss you off even more <laughs> correct correct <laughs> all right well then just quickly before we talk about where to find you um what is your next fight nothing booked right now um i just got a bunch of stem cell treatment actually um uh down at columbia uh, about a month ago so i'm kind of letting see what happens with these uh with the treatment um and you know probably early next year as a quick side note then um have you had any experience from that yet i know it's kind of early days yet but you know i I haven't i have had stem cells in the past um in my shoulder about uh three years ago and, and i definitely uh noticed uh improvements from that so this time I I just got a whole I got my neck, shoulder, hips and hands. <laughs> so you know, they say it, it takes about you know, 6 weeks to 6 months. So I got a couple more weeks to to hopefully feel feel the benefits. Fantastic. And yeah, this it was a conversation I had yesterday with a Navy SEAL who now runs a a clinic to to get SEALs physically and mentally, you know, back on their feet. And we were talking about that, that it's it's insanity that you have to go out the country to do, for example, psilocybin or some of those treatments you know, for mental health, and that you have to seek it for, for stem cells as well. So you know, I hope that one day we can be a little bit more progressive, that we don't have to send U.S. nationals to a different country to get help. I agree, especially, you know, we have the, the you know, one of the... the- the best doctors and, and the best science in our country. We got to go out, out of it. It's kind of crazy. And a lot the place I went to actually has a facility in the U.S. as well. But, you know, they've got to do stuff outside of that aren't allowed in the U.S. Now, is that the one that I heard uh, 
uh, Mel Gibson talking to Joe about that same clinic? That, that, that was a different, that one's in Panama, but this is very similar. Okay. Yeah, this one's Colombia. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Well, so for everyone that's listening, uh, if they want to follow you online or find out more about you, where are the best places on the internet? Yeah, just, um, Twitter and Instagram, I'm on pretty much. Uh, Frankie Edgar uh, on both of them. And uh, I, I actually do a podcast with uh, uh, Roger Matthews from uh, the Jersey Shore. He's actually uh, Jay Wow's ex-husband. And uh, we've been doing that for about uh, about six months now. So just fun, laid-back type talk. But you know, we have guests on and whatnot as well. Beautiful. What's it called? Uh, the Champ and the Tramp. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. And how's that experience been? Like, because you're always, you know, being interviewed after a big old fight. So what was that like for you to actually be the other side of the microphone? It's great, actually. It gives you a different perspective. And, um, you know, it's hopefully making me better in front of a microphone. You know, Uh, it's not such a moneymaker or anything quite yet. Um, And if it happens, it happens. But if it doesn't, I I enjoy just, you know, shooting the shit with a buddy, uh, you know, uh, once a week. Beautiful. Well, Frankie, I want to say thank you so much. Like you said, you, you do get pulled all these different directions, and I truly appreciate you giving me a, a, a moment of your time for this conversation. So thank you so much for being so generous today. James, thank you for having me, man. Pleasure talking to you, brother. <laughs> <laughs>